0: Amen. You guys go ahead and have a seat. Oh, you're already sitting down. Hey, how are we feeling this morning? You feel good? Hey, give it up for your worship band. They're doing such an awesome job. Um, worship's one of those things that I'm passionate about, and um, I think it's so important for you guys to know. But I mean, as you enter this chapel, I want to remind you guys that when you come to sing... When you come to worship the Lord, you are worshiping the creator of heaven and of earth. And as you sing these lyrics, it's not just as if you turn your brain off and you're just singing out of emotion, right? When we sing and we worship God, what do we do? We're actually reading lyrics that are true. And so when we say, God, you're the only one that can save, we're singing that because it's true. God is the only one who can save holy, there is no one like you. And oftentimes what ends up happening in our churches, when we, walk in, when we walk in the back doors of our churches, we'll walk in and we'll just enter this time and we'll have our coffee and we'll be talking to our friends and it's halfway through the song and we'll just start singing the lyrics and without really truly recognizing, man, who are we singing about? Not only that, who are we singing to? And so worship's one of those amazing things. Um, hope you guys are doing great. Hope you guys feel good. You guys feel good? Feel great? Yeah. Um, hey, uh, this morning we're going to be talking about missions. This thing's a little wobbly. I'm going to move it over here. Um, This morning, we're going to be talking about missions, and I would love to just kind of enlighten you guys a little bit of what Hume Lake has been doing um, with regards to missions of this last um, couple of months. We were able to partner with a missions organization called JAM, Jubilani Africa Ministries. Um, And the missionary that basically started it actually went to Hume Lake was in Ponderosa Chapel when he himself claims that, man, I received the call. To, to global missions when I was sitting in this seat, in these pews right here. And so we'll get a chance to hear from them in a video. Basically, Jubilani Africa Missions Ministries is a ministry that um, its core focus is to raise disciples so that they can make a kingdom, a gospel impact in the area. And they're located in South Africa, and so we're going to get to... The opportunity to hear from JIT, um, JIT, G I T. What an awesome name! Uh, he's an awesome guy. Used to be a South African rugby player. He's a freaking man. He's the best. Um, but essentially, raising disciples to to impact. The nation of South Africa for the Kingdom of God, but not only that, they're involved in various humanitarian efforts in the community. And so, there's a lot of poverty in the area where uh, Jam Ministries is located, and so they're involved with um, reaching out to the to the community and making sure that they have fresh water, making sure that their infrastructure is correct. And so, they're involved in that as well. But also, and most importantly. Their main driving force is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And anytime they get to partner with, with nonprofit organizations in the area, anytime they get, to, they get to raise leaders, what do they do? They share the gospel with those that don't know Christ. And so um, go ahead and take a look at the screens and you guys will get a better picture of kind of what Jam is all about. Oh, I love that guy. (laughs) You guys, we'll get a chance to pray for um, what's going on in Jam Ministries, kind of at the end of this chapel. Um, But I want to ask you a question, even before we start. Um, This message and this sermon, you know, one of the things that I think is most prevalent in your guys' lives is, oftentimes you guys have been asking the question, And what is God's will for my life? And what does God, where does God want me to go to college? What what does God want me to do with my life? What is the purpose of my life? And so so often we look at specific things. We'll end up looking, um, you know, at a certain college to fulfill our desires or a certain relationship or anything ultimately other than Christ to give us purpose. And you want to know why I feel like, man, the statistics of young people after high school, at right after high school, the statistics of not only going to church, but the statistics of, of young people actually denouncing their faith and kind of going off and believing whatever they want or just going off and, and living in such a way that counters Christianity, counters the Word of God. The reason that I believe that that happens is twofold. One I think the number one reason that happens is because we don't actually see Christ as precious. We actually don't, man, we we expect when we come to humiliate twice a year, when we just go to our youth groups, and that's going to be enough to fulfill me for the rest of my life, and it's just not true. And the second reason why I think, man, so many of young people have a hard time staying with the faith is because they don't realize they have a mission. And so therefore they believe that living the Christian life is boring. Ultimately, we're we're saved to go to church, we're saved to come to a youth camp twice a year, or maybe even just once a year, and that should be enough. And when you Graduate high school, you realize, man, this doesn't really happen anymore. You know, you can come as a counselor, or you can go other places as a counselor, or you can go on a mission trip once, but ultimately, once, what ends up happening is that if you rely upon things like these to fulfill you, you begin to forget that you have been called to go and make disciples and called to live a life on mission. And ultimately, what ends up happening, man, that flame, the fire, the passion for the gospel, the passion that even just this week you guys maybe have been experiencing, it's not just an emotional passion, it's understanding God's word and recognizing this is true in our lives and I need to live this out, and that begins to subside. And the last thing I want for you guys is for that to happen. As you guys head down the hill, you guys will likely be able to go to your youth groups and your churches and go back to your schools and hang out with some of your Christian friends. But let me just tell you, in some of these other countries, majority world countries, third world countries, China, India, and all these other countries where Christianity in, in, in many circumstances is exploding, what's happening? They're meeting in garages, they're meeting in basements, they're meeting underground. Because there's persecution. And what do they do? They see the word of God as precious. They're huddling around God's word. And the flame of the gospel is burning bright in their hearts as they open up to Matthew 28. And as they read the Great Commission, man, they recognize this is true for me. And I get to live this life. And for some of us that head down the hill, what ends up happening is we head down the hill and we don't feel that way. We get distracted by the many distractions around us. And I want to tell you, even just in today's culture where it seems like it's getting a little bit harder and harder to share our faith without it being labeled maybe even as like hate speech or people kind of coming against you because, for, for the views that you hold as a Christian— Can I just tell you, the greatest danger for you is still not physical harm or being thrown in jail or or having to host secret meetings at your house because you're a Christian. The greatest danger for you guys is your zeal and passion for the Lord growing cold. Why? Because we're comfortable. Because we go down the hill and we have everything we need Because oftentimes, man, even even in today's society, it seems like people are a little bit more hostile to Christianity, and it's true. For the most part, people just mind their own business, and you get to mind yours, and you get to just live your life. And that's not the case for these people in these other countries. And so what do I want for you guys this morning? I want us to wake up. I want us to know the truth of the Word of God, and I want us to be set on fire for it. And so that's what I hope and pray that we get to do this morning. So if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Matthew's the first gospel, and it's the first book of the New Testament. And chapter 28's all the way at the very end, so it's right before Mark. Give me a thumbs up when you guys are there. Sweet. Awesome. All right. Here we go. And then Matthew 28, and we're going to go all the way down to verse 18. For those of you who don't know, this, uh, this passage is famously called the Great Commission, the Great commission. And so um, this is actually oftentimes a passage that uh, a lot of people try to sum up missions uh, by using this passage. And so we're going to be looking and diving into this passage this morning. Let's read it together. Verse 18, we're going to read all the way to 20. It says, And Jesus came to them and said to them, Lord, even just as we open your word, God, I pray that these words that come out of my mouth are not my words, God, but they are yours. And we recognize even just as we read scripture and as we rely, as I rely upon your Holy Spirit, God, to move in power this morning. God, there's a lot of students that maybe don't even believe that the Bible's true. And so, God, I pray that you would stir in their hearts this morning, God, that you would, that Our conviction here at Hume Lake for the Word of God would be a testimony, God, to the power of your Word. And Lord, that these students, as they see that, God, as they see and hear from the Bible, God, that you begin to shape their hearts. And those that have a hard time believing, God, that you would help them with their unbelief. God, that you would open their eyes and their hearts this morning. And God, as we're challenged to live a life on mission, God, I pray that we wouldn't grow dull of the Christian life. We would recognize, man, living the Christian life is living the only life that's worth living. And we would recognize, God, that it's not boring, that we actually get to walk with you daily, the creator of heaven and earth. Not only do we get to do that, but we get to live out your calling for our life. We don't have to ask the question, man, what is your will for my life, God? We know your will for our lives. It's in Scripture. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. With great power comes what? With great power comes? I'm going to go out on a limb and say Toby Maguire is the greatest Spider-Man of all time. And a lot of people make the argument, hey, Tom Holland's the best Peter Parker. And while I don't really understand that argument because Tom Holland, he just seems too young. He's just a sweet little baby. Um, He's the best though. He's like 26, someone says. Hey, uh, also Green Goblin, one of the greatest villains of all time, William Dafoe. And that's my message. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Hey, with great power comes great responsibility. I love Spider-Man, as you can tell. Uh, Ben, Uncle Ben, one of the sweetest men to ever live. Um, And he has this conversation with Spider-Man. He has this conversation with Peter, and he says... And, and at the time, Peter Parker, I mean, he, he had just found out that he received these powers from this spider, and he's, like, trying to make sense of it. And at first, he's actually using it selfishly. He's trying to win a car so that he can win over Mary Jane. Um, not my favorite Mary Jane, I will admit, um, from uh, the first Spider-Man. Um, but he's trying to win over Mary Jane, and he's doing all these things for his own self-benefit. And Uncle Ben kind of can suspect that something's happening. And this is the first time that Uncle Ben actually reveals that he knows what's going on. And so he has this conversation with Peter in the car. And he says, with great power comes great responsibility. And so Peter is in this moment of figuring out, man, what do I do with this? What do I do with my life with with this power that I have Ultimately, Peter Parker doesn't become Spider-Man right when he receives the bite, right? He becomes Spider-Man when he actually begins to use his powers. And ultimately, guys, what I want us to understand, even just from that story, um, what an interesting illustration, um, what I want us to understand from that story is as Christians, oftentimes we ask that same question, man, what do we do? Even just after this week at Hume Lake, you might give your life to the Lord. You might stand up. You might even resolve in your heart and say, man, I need to repent, and you need to believe in Jesus Christ. And you need to follow him. And the question now is, man, how then shall I live? What should I do? And there's this idea in, in the Bible, and you read it in the book of James as well. James 2 talks about this. And it says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be, what, doers of the word. And so there's this sense in which you actually don't know what the word is saying. You actually don't know what the Bible is saying unless you, what, do what it says. And you can't do what it says unless you actually, what, read what it says. And so this morning, I want us to understand, man, we might have this desire to be like Christ. We might, as Christians, have this desire, man. God, I want to be like you. And yet, when we look at our lives, there's this lack of actually the thing that actually makes us like Christ, and that is living the way that Christ lived and doing the things that Christ did, sharing the truth and love with people, stepping out in boldness. And so I want... Us to recognize, man, we have been given a mission by God. And I want to tackle this issue in four ways. I want to ask four questions Who, what, where, and why? Who is it that is calling us to, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? Who is it that is calling us to do this? God Almighty. Number two, I wanna say, what is it that he's calling us to do? What is it actually, what is God's will for my life? What does God actually want me to do with my life? It's not gonna give us what college we're gonna go to or what career we're gonna head into. Ultimately, it's gonna give us something way bigger and more important than that. The third, where am I to go? When God calls me to go and make disciples, where am I to do that? What does it mean to be a missionary? Man, can I, be a, can I be, live a life on missions in my own backyard? Can I actually impact my schools for Christ? And then the fourth one, most important in my view, is why? Why should we go? So we're going to be looking at those four things. And first, I first want to draw our attention back to the passage. And we're going to be talking about who. Who is it that is calling us to go? The very beginning, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. Go therefore. It's a famous phrase, oftentimes we ask, What is the therefore therefore? And ultimately, what the therefore is therefore is to point to something that just happened. And Jesus in this moment is appeared to his disciples. And what just happened? I want you guys to go up. So you guys are in chapter 28. Go up to verse 5. And here's what it says in verse 5. It says this. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has what? Risen. He is not here for he is what? Risen. So when Jesus says go, therefore, he's saying, in light of what I have just done. Jesus has just risen from the dead, and his disciples are standing before him. They're not just standing like this, right? They're not just looking at him like, that's pretty cool. They're bowing to him. They're saying, Jesus, this can't be true. You can't be actually here in front of us right now. We saw you crucified. You were just dead three days ago. And what is Jesus saying? He's saying, I have just risen from the dead all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. What does that sound like? Jesus is saying, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. It sounds like what? He is the king. He's proclaiming himself king. He says, because I just rose from the dead, because I've just defeated death, because I hold the keys to death and life, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth, in heaven and on earth. Jesus had authority before he went to the cross. You see it. He was casting out demons. He was healing people. He was was turning water into wine. And so Jesus did have authority. But when Jesus rises from the dead and appears before his disciples, there is no doubt in the disciples' mind, man, this guy, he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And what does that king say to his disciples? says, therefore, go and make disciples. You guys might be asking the question, what is a disciple? I mean, what is a disciple? And more than just somebody who stands up at a Christian camp because they want to or because they want to make a decision or pray to prayer one time. A disciple, that's not what a disciple is. Actually, a disciple is somebody who is what? A student. A student. And so, what does it mean to be a Christian? It doesn't mean that you just pray to prayer one time. And it doesn't necessarily just mean that you're saved. And yes, if you're a Christian, absolutely 100% you're saved. But what does it mean? It means you're a disciple, it means that you are a student of the Word of God. And we can't be students of the Word of God unless we actually find this as precious. Amen? Okay. Real quick. I want you guys to flip over to Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6. This is a famous passage. And um, man, this passage is so powerful. And the reason I want us to read this is because unless we know who sends us, we won't go. And it's not unique, right? When we read the the Great Commission, we see that Jesus is sending his disciples out into the world to go and make disciples. We recognize throughout Scripture, even in the Old Testament, God is a God who sends. God is a God who commissions his people. He says, he goes up to Moses, and he says, Moses, Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. You are to go and deliver them. And he goes and, and speaks to the prophets, and he says, Thus says the Lord, Say these to your people. When he goes and, he, and an angel appears before Joshua, and he sends Joshua to go and take back the promised land. And so God, throughout the Bible and today, I think sometimes we forget, man, the same God that we read about in scriptures is the same God that we worship in this chapel today. But the same God throughout Scripture is a God who sends. And so let's read this real quick. It says in verse 1, Isaiah 6. Give me a thumbs up when you're there. Isaiah's right after, for you guys who don't know, is right after Song of Solomon's. <laughs> Thank you. Um, little brain fart there. All right, let's read this together. Verse 1, here's what it says. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And so in this moment, Isaiah has a vision before the Lord. And his vision is, and I, and I, I have to assume, or just at least imagine that Isaiah doesn't even have the words to say right now right because he's looking at the Lord and he says I don't know but he's high and he's lifted up he's just high and he's lifted up and the train of his robe fills the temple and there's these creatures that fly around saying holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty the whole earth is filled with his glory And what is Isaiah's response to this glorious vision that he sees? That he actually sees the Lord. His response is what? Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I come from a people of unclean lips. Isaiah instantly recognizes who he is before a holy God. And that man, he is nothing. When he beholds the Lord. And he says right after that, For my eyes have seen the king. And we'll read in just a moment. Right after this, God asks a a question, essentially, but He knows the answer to it. He asks a question that He knows the answer to. You read it here, right down in um, verse six. Then one of the seraphim, sorry, verse eight, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying. Whom shall I send? He asks this question. He knows the answer. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Isaiah says this, here I am, Lord, send me. Send me. And so unless we actually know who the Lord is, unless we actually have an idea of who's calling us to do this, we won't truly go we won't actually give up everything and go and make disciples. God is a God who sins. God is a God who's holy, righteousness and ju- righteous and just. And oftentimes we recognize and we read these verses, we read, "Go therefore and make disciples," and we don't really think any, we don't think twice about it. And what I want us to do is recognize the God who calls us to do this. The God who Isaiah says is high and lifted up and he's surrounded by these creatures that say holy, holy, holy. This is true. This isn't fairy tale. This is true and this is happening right now. And Jesus who has called us to go and make disciples sits at the right hand of God. He sits on the throne and he's alive and he's well and he sees the way that we live our lives and he sees the actions that we take. And he's asking who will go for me? Who is going to go? Jesus throughout the Gospels, says, man, or at least in Matthew, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Who will actually go? Who will go? Ultimately, we must go. Nobody else. You can't look at your friends. You can't look at your pastors. You can't look at anybody else but yourself. When we read this, oftentimes there's this idea, and it's like we can't read ourselves in the scripture, right? And it's true. We're not supposed to just say, man, this passage is about me. And while the passage, the Great Commission, is not just about you, what it's doing is it's telling you. It's commanding you. It's not just something, if you feel up to it, go and share the gospel. It's a command of scripture. Jesus is saying, go, therefore, and make disciples. And Jesus didn't just say this to disciples. He is the King of kings, Lord of lords. He sits on the throne right now, and he's what? Telling you to go. Thus says the Lord. Go and make disciples of all nations. as we kind of hop and transition, I want us to recognize, man, not only who is it that that calls us to go and make disciples, but what does he call this to? Actually, what has he called this to? So let's turn back over to Matthew 28. Let's turn back over to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, go therefore and what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the what? The Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When we read that verse, something super interesting that stuck out to me as I was reading this verse is that when it says, make disciples, baptize, and teach. Those are the three things that Christ has called us to do as believers. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Those three things, all three of those things happen where? At your local church. Those three things are happening oftentimes at least once a month at your church where you're teaching from the word of God, you're teaching the teachings of Jesus, where you're baptizing people that have come to know Christ, and where you're actually making disciples. Those things ought to happen at the local church. And so what I want you guys to understand, you've been given a mission, and your mission is to do these things. Thus, your mission is to go and invest where? In your local church and we're called to go and invest in our local church to be a part of our church not just our youth groups but our churches and yes we should be going to youth group because we can have fellowship with people that think like us that that act like us that are our age and we can have camaraderie and fellowship in that and that's amazing go to your youth groups but ultimately, the problem is, is that as we graduate high school, church attendance drops so much. Partly because we think that it's going to be figured out for us as we enter college, and then we figure out, man, oh, I got to find a church, and it becomes hard. And you're like, I don't really know what to look for in a church. And my charge for you is this: that you guys wouldn't go to a college before you have found a church. And if you actually take your faith seriously if you actually want to live out the Great Commission, you cannot do it apart from the family of God. Because if you try to do it alone, ultimately what's going to happen, and some of you have already experienced this, when you try to do it alone, you get swept up in all these other things, sports and and school and, and friend groups and clubs and all these things that vie for your attention And I'm not saying those things are bad, but I'm saying ultimately what ends up happening is we just get distracted. And when we get distracted, we're comfortable with just going to church on a Sunday. And then when that gets boring, we stop going altogether. And then we get swayed by the world's desires and their worldview and and all these opinions of other people. And all of a sudden we start questioning, man, do I really believe this? And then what happens? We end up falling away. It's so sad, the amount of friends that I've had that have come to Hume Lake and that have proclaimed to know the Lord and then once college hits and they end up leaving the church and there's a cascade event that, that then follows and I don't want that to be you. Get your brothers around you. Get your sisters around you. Say, we're going to find a church. Before we know where we're going to college, I know I want to go to college in San Luis Obispo. I'm going to find a solid church over there. <laughs> yeah, go slow. Um, and that's super important, guys. I want you guys to understand that. When we talk about, man, what are we to do, and we look at we're going to go and make disciples, we got to recognize, man, you guys are in a unique stage in your life. You guys are surrounded by so many people. You have such a high ability for impact in high school. Man, I can't think of another time in your life where you're actually surrounded by that many unbelievers and that many people who need to know the truth. And so, What's super, super cool about this verse is that when you make disciples, what do those disciples do? They go and make disciples. And there's this ripple effect that ends up happening when you invite people to church and they give their lives to the Lord. And, and they end up actually following Jesus and following hard after Jesus. And they're learning and they're studying the Bible and they're recognizing, man, I can go and share my faith. And then there's this cascade event that ha- or effect that happens and people come to know the Lord. And Paul talks about this. Paul talks about this in Romans 15. You don't have to turn there, but I'll talk about it in a sec. But ultimately, you're called to make disciples. And you're not just called to make disciples, but you're called to go. And some of us, we ask this question, man, where do I go? Where do I go? God has called me to go, where do I go? (laughs) And what I want to tell you guys is obviously, man, it's so important that you guys are invested in your local church, that you guys are invested in your community. But some of you guys, some of you guys are called to global missions, and it's a glorious thing. And I'm to tell you this right now. Man, not everybody's a missionary. Not every Christian's a missionary. And I think maybe some of you guys have been taught that. We're all on mission, but it's different, right? Man, to be a missionary means that you are actually going to a place that actually doesn't have equal access to the gospel. And so when you go to a place like Papua New Guinea, you recognize, man, these people, and it's not like they actually have the same access to the truth or the word of God or the gospel that we do here in California. I can think of seven or at least eight solid churches in my area that are preaching the gospel That's just not happening in some of these other countries. And so what are we to do? In Romans chapter 15, Paul talks about him going from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. And he says that his work has been finished there. And so his job is now to go elsewhere and proclaim to those who don't already know the truth. And what you recognize as you study that passage is that Paul, he planted a couple churches in that area, and then he says the work is finished. Why? Because he understood that as he made disciples in those areas, those disciples would then carry out the work that he started. And so what does he do? He goes to other places that haven't yet heard the truth. And there are places today There are places, Japan, Man, a vast majority of the Japanese people, they don't actually know what the gospel is. They know kind of what Christians are, but they actually don't know what the gospel is. And you think, man, that's a country that's, I mean, that's been, that is modern, that, that, that has all this technology, that is a lot of ways very similar to the United States, how is that the case? And then we think of these majority world countries, the third world countries. In Papua New Guinea, they have no access to the word of God, and so we have people translating the Bible in their language and going and preaching to them and sharing the gospel with them and making disciples. And so some of you, not all of you, but some of you are called to global missions. What a glorious thing. What a glorious thing. Romans 10:13 says, "For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him? of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Those questions that, ask, that are asked by Paul in, the, in that statement when he says, how will they call on him who, have they have, who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And he's asking a question. He already knows the answer to it. They won't. Some of you guys might question what I'm saying here, but it says it right here. Unless someone hears the gospel and gets an opportunity to respond by bowing their knee to Jesus Christ and saying, I repent and I follow you. Unless that happens, they won't call upon the name of the Lord, and they won't be saved. And for everybody who is not saved, what are they not saved from? In eternity in hell. Hell exists, and some of us point to Jesus and say, man, Jesus is a loving guy. How could he talk about hell? Jesus talked about hell more than any other person in the Bible. For all have sinned and fallen short. We're all guilty. And so even the people around the world that haven't known Christ, they're still guilty of their sin. And it actually says, 2 Peter 3.9, God wishes that none would perish and that all would come to repentance. Those that don't know him, God wishes that they would know him. And that they would come to repentance. But how would they do that unless we are sent? And so for those of you who called the Global Missions, here's what I want you to do. I I want you to pray in your heart. And there are those in these countries that have never heard the gospel. And there's those that are in my school that I maybe have even invited to church and they just don't care. And their ears are closed off to the word of God. And their ears are closed off to the truth. But there's people that that haven't even heard the gospel. And who knows? Man, maybe they'll receive the gospel with joy. And with tears streaming down their face, they would say, God, save me. And I want you to pray in your heart. Man, if God is calling you to go and preach to those people that that haven't heard the gospel and responded to the Lord, that he would instill in you a passion for that. And secondly, if you guys are interested in global missions, I want you guys to get involved in your local church first. You cannot be useful globally unless you first devoted locally to the church. If you're not, unless sharing the gospel with your friends, you have the truth that saves. those of you that are Christians and those of you who don't believe, my heart and my prayer is that you'd hear the conviction of my voice and that you'd understand, man, this is true. You stop asking so many theological questions because ultimately salvation is for the desperate. And you guys need to understand, man, you're not going to ascend theologically or intellectually to come to know the Lord. Ultimately, you know the Lord when you say, God, save me. Save me from my sin. I need you. Salvation is for the desperate. So tonight we're going to be preaching the gospel. I'm going to pray that God works in your hearts. Here's what we're going to do. Before we get into what we're going to do, why? Why are we to go? Because the love of God compels us. The love of God compels us. It's not just a love for the collective, right? For the church. It's a love for you. God sent his one and only son that no one would perish. Or God sent his one and only son so that you might believe in him. And he nailed his son to a cross. And upon him was laid the sins of the world. And upon him was laid your sins, the sins that you've committed And God reaches out his hand and says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and you will find rest. That is love. That God would forgive your sin. Not only sin that you've done, but the sins that you will ever do. God has had such amazing love for you. Slaying is a one and only son for you. And what is the the natural response, what? To live for him. Not only to live for him, to extend that mercy, the message of mercy and grace to someone else and say, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. Repent. Believe in Jesus. Repent and believe, and you will be saved. The love of God compels us. The most loving thing we can do is tell them the truth and say, Hey, listen, I love you, and I want you to know the Lord. But you can't know the Lord unless you actually recognize that you need Him. And apart from Him, as a sinner, we deserve wrath and judgment, but because of Christ, We actually get to know him. We actually get to be saved. Do you love people? Do you love them? Share the gospel with them. Share the truth. Here's what we're going to do. In a moment, we're going to have the ushers, ushers, our lead counselors come down with our offering bags. And what we're going to do is we're going to take an offering. And hear me when I say this. You're under no obligation to give but this offering, essentially what it goes to, it goes to Human International. And it goes to the different countries and missionaries that are involved in missions and with Hume Lake. And so we've got missionaries in Papua New Guinea. And we've got missionaries like JIT over in South Africa. And we've got missionaries over in Thailand. And so this offering doesn't go anything doesn't go to anything here operationally to the lake or anything like that, anything that we do here. It all goes to human or national and our support for missionaries. And here's what I want us to do, real quick. I know we're getting squirrely. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to take a, a few moments as the ushering bags, usher bags are passed along, as the offering bags are passed along, I want us to pray, I want us to pray and I want us to pray for Jit and his ministry, Jam Ministries, as they're trying to build, you know, this big complex over in the Limpopo Providence where they can then reach more and more people for the gospel. I want us to pray for Jit and his ministry because he asked us to. And not only that, I want us to pray, man, if you feel a call in your heart, man, maybe God's calling me to global ministries. And I want us to pray that God would help us Convict us to be obedient and go to our local churches and invest in our local churches first and to continue to pray about, man, am I called to go to these countries globally and share the gospel? So after I pray, the ushering, I keep saying that. After I pray, the offering bads are going to be passed around. There's going to be music being played. You guys go ahead and pray and then we're going to end in one more song of worship, and then we're going to be sent out. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, I'm thankful for your word, and God, just that you are a good God, and that you have called us to be disciples, not only disciples, to make disciples as well. God, I just pray that you would give students a passion to know you, God, as people are huddled in their garages and huddled underground in caves and these different places where it's even just a danger to proclaim the truth, God, that we'd even recognize, God, we we need not grow cold and that our zeal would not die and that we can continue to pursue you and love you. God, that you would give us a greater burden for the lost. We love you and we thank you, God. You are a good God. In Jesus' name, amen.